Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, Senior Pastor David Schmaltz. Don't give up. So what does giving up do? It guarantees that we're not going to win, that's for sure. I love the baseball analogy. We're coming into baseball season, and a lot of times when young boys come, and I can see them shaking in their boots as they approach that plate, thinking about what they're going to do, what's going to happen. They're all, we like to say they're all ed up with what's going to happen, you know, or what could happen. But one thing's for sure, they're never going to hit the ball if they, ever, they don't ever go to the plate, right? They have a 100% chance of failure if they, don't just, if they don't get up there. And then, of course, it can get into their head, well, what about a walk, you know, get up there and just let the ball fly by, you know, living, I call it living life for the walk, all right? You know, it's going to produce more failure than success in the end. Yeah, sure, there's going to be that occasional lucky situation, if you will, quote unquote, that'll get you to first base, but that's not the way you want to live. It's not the way you want to live at all. Giving up means that what we surrender will be taken from us, and that's important for us to understand. That is a kingdom principle. Our heart will be taken from us. Our courage will be taken from us. If anything, it invites depression. It invites further destruction. You know, they call this the broken window uh, principle. They did a study on this and and why cities begin to go into uh, destruction and why they get into a destructive pattern. And they call it the broken syndrome, uh, window syndrome. And you, you know what? You're probably catching what, what it's about. They, they take this abandoned building. And it's got all these windows. And the moment one building is broken out and that window is not replaced, it invites all the rest of the windows to be broken out because it communicates something. It communicates to everyone going by what? No one cares. No one is really trying. There's, there's no hope there. Um, and we've probably seen that before. I've driven downtown uh, through Detroit, and it, and it breaks your heart to see the destruction, the, the lack of care, the lack of interest. And that's basically the way life works. If we give up trying, it invites the enemy to come to do more destructive things in our life, to tempt us more, to, to get us to run. See, life is about the fight. I hate to put it that way, but it's true. It is about the fight. It is very hard for us to comprehend in the light of elections and philosophies that are going on right now, but to expect things to be handed to us does not create life force. That's a biblical principle from cover to cover. And I'll, I'll leave that to, for you to think about and do your own study. But I've never met anyone who had anything handed to them that inspired me in any way. Ever. Not coaches, not individuals, not mentors, no one. The, the people that have inspired me have been the people who have come to me, and, and I've seen the fight in their life, where I've seen where they've come from and how they've come out of that, and how, of course, there were help along the way. Yes, they were inspired by someone else, but you see the life force, and this one word we're going to get to today, courage, that can grow out of that which is why we should never give up. And that's the thing that I think that, that was missing when I saw people that were less inspiring. I, 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 
didn't see that courage in their eyes. Didn't see that life spark. It didn't, there wasn't something to say, that is about you. I remember when I first met Michael Fletcher in my life, you know, years ago. And I saw in him a faith, a fight. And he used to tell the story how he used to be like a long-haired hippie back in the, the 70s, and he was picked on and bullied, and yet he knew deep in his heart that God had a vision and a purpose for his life. And now, of course, he speaks at Oxford. Last Sunday, he was speaking at uh, an L.A. church downtown. The guy is impacting the world in incredible ways. How did he get there? The fight. The fight. So let's look at it this way. Those who have had to fight for every inch of life are inspiring. They're courage-filled. They're filled with hope and faith. They're filled with purpose. But what happens when we're just overwhelmed, when we just can't see the end, or any victory in store, any victory in sight? That We all live there. There are those times when we've read the inspiring books, we've seen the movies, we've seen the, the stories, we've, we've heard it, the, the anecdotes, and they only last so long when we get into our own fight. Am I right? We get into a situation and say, well, that, that story's not like my story, and, and maybe they're a little more special. We kind of feel that. Well, maybe there's, there's more destiny about their life. And I'm telling you, that's not true. So, it can happen. We can get overwhelmed. But this is what's for certain. You cannot win if you don't try. The victory belongs, in the end, to who, anyway? To God. And does God want to win? Oh, yeah. <laughs> is God all about victory? Absolutely. The greatest victory that ever, has ever taken place in the universe was God's. That very day that Jesus broke out of that tomb and came walking out, and death was conquered. Greatest victory. Greater than any home run. Greater than any championship. Greater than any Hall of Fame. Greater than anything. I want to share some scripture with, this, with you this morning. I'm going to go through three quick points. But I want to share with you from 2 Chronicles chapter 15 a snapshot from scripture and a king who was up against the wall who was struggling, and God spoke to him. And this is how God did it. The Spirit of God came on Azariah, son of Obed, uh, Oded. He went out to meet Asa. And he said to him, listen to me. And Asa's a king. And, he's, and he says, listen to me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you when you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. For a long time, Israel was without a true God, without a priest to teach and without the law. But in their distress, they turned to the Lord, the God of Israel, and sought him, and he was found by them. In those days, it was not safe to travel about, for all the inhabitants of the lands were in great turmoil. One nation was being crushed by another and one city by another because God was troubling them with every kind of distress. But as for you, be strong and do not give up, for your work will be rewarded. When Asa heard those words and the prophecy of Azariah, son of Oded, the prophet, he took courage. He removed the detestable idols from the whole land of Judah and Benjamin and from the towns he had captured in the hills of Ephraim. He repaired the altar of the Lord 
that was in front of the portico of the Lord's temple. Then he assembled all Judah and Benjamin and the people from Ephraim, Manasseh, and Simeon who had settled among them, for large numbers had come over to them from Israel when they saw that the Lord, his God, was with them. They assembled all at at Jerusalem in the third month of the 15th year of Asa's reign. And at that time, they sacrificed to the Lord 700 head of cattle, 7,000 sheep and goats from the plunder they had brought back. They entered into a covenant to seek the Lord, the God of their ancestors, with all of their soul, all of their heart and their soul. All who would not seek the Lord, the God of Israel, were put to death, whether small or great, man or woman. They took an oath to the Lord with loud acclamation, with shouting, and with trumpets and horns. All Judah rejoiced about the oath because they had sworn it wholeheartedly. They sought God eagerly, and he was found by them. So the Lord gave them rest on every side. I'm going to just stop right there. And what we get, again, a snapshot of, of Israel's history, and it's very cyclical for Israel. They go through these periods of times over and over again. When they did not seek the Lord, things did not go well for them. The enemies came in, they struggled, they battled, they lost, and they cried out to God. And once again, God would come to them and would faithfully pour out his heart. They would renew their covenant, and God would begin to do several things. One, God would begin to protect them. God would begin to slay their enemies on their behalf. God would begin to bring peace. So when it comes to, our, when it comes to history, it's, it's important you know, to understand that God didn't just say, you know, okay, this is the way it is, and, and, and now I have just let all this go and kicked it to the curb. Mm-mm. God is still involved in very much the same way. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Blessed is the human being that seeks the Lord. And even more, for those who find Jesus Christ, have a special grace, the greatest grace that a human being can find. So let me ask you a question. What can spoil success for the Christian? And I've already shared that, and that's simply giving up. But three quick things. What does giving up really do? Number one. When we give up serving, how do we, well, let me, let me put it this way. When we give up, how do we give up? Because we can do it on the inside, but really giving up has a physical manifestation. I mean, it's just, sometimes we can give up on the inside, but usually before long, we start giving up on the outside. And here's three things that I see often that happens to believers. Number one, we give up serving. We give up serving. Because what happens is we get this attitude is, you know, I've been, I've been serving, I've been working, I've been doing all this, and yet I'm not getting anything in return. And that is kind of an exposure of our own heart, isn't it? It begins to, we create, it begins to show to God, look, I'm only in this for me. And so here's this verse of Scripture, Galatians 6, 9, that says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. What does that tell us? It tells us that we're sowing seeds. I'll never forget when I was a young man, young boy, I think I was only 15, 16 years old, and I started getting jobs. We moved to Kentucky, and man, I got this job of helping this guy plant uh, tobacco out in the middle of nowhere, Kentucky. Here was a Michigan boy just thrust into the world of deep south 
I had them, boy. I mean, I didn't know if I was going to come out of that alive, to be honest with you. But anyway, so I got dropped out in the middle of the country, and, and I was planting tobacco plants, and I was out there and just putting those plants in the ground. And man, you'd look back at all that you had done, and you thought that was awesome. But then you'd look ahead and see how much more you had to do. And it was hot. I thought it was hot in Michigan. Kentucky was pretty close to hell. I, I just got to be, you know, it was pretty hot. And I remember giving up and thinking, man, I wanted to walk away, but I wanted the money more, and of course, I had nowhere to go. <laughs> I was stuck till I was done. But when we give up, folks, we actually forfeit a victory. We forfeit what has already been done. And so you can't do that. And that's why Paul is sitting there going, look, don't become weary in doing good. He said, because there's a harvest coming. There's a harvest coming. And while you are sowing these seeds, while you're faithfully, and there are times when you're doing things and you're, you're showing up and you're, you're serving in different capacities and you're, you're, you're serving your family, you're serving your, your, your clientele, you're serving people in love and, and doing things that nobody else sees. God is watching, though, because he sees it all, doesn't he? But that's one way we can forfeit the victory. That's one way that we can experience, you know, that we're, where we give up is in that area. And, it, and it's true. We do get weary in doing good, don't we? From time to time, we do. But let me remind you that if you prayed, God, would you use me? God, please use me. Well, <laughs> he's going to do just that. He's going to do just that. He's not going to put you in a situation where he's going to make you more special than his son, Jesus Christ. He's not going to put you in a situation where you're touted and your name is on the billboards and, and all of that. No, 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 no. Look, let me remind you, folks, our reward is waiting where? There. So don't try to take from that glory here. Let's sow. Let's be faithful. Let's keep moving for let's do and let's serve and, and let's do what we know God has called us to do faithfully. But if you ask the question, you know, I, I never see a harvest, Pastor David. I don't see a harvest. Well, that's, there's two, either, two things that are happening there if you haven't seen a harvest. Either you're not looking hard enough or probably not going to get any. In other words, you need to look at the seed. You need to look at what you're doing. Because as I said, in beginning... If you're not sowing the seed of courage, if you're not sowing the seed of serving and giving, and if we get into this, this, this attitude of just waiting for people to give us things, and I, and I really believe that what is happening to our culture is not just a bad thing philosophically, economically. I think it's a bad thing for us as human beings. I think it, it destroys something that is so God-given. And it works right into the kingdom of God so perfectly. It's right in the Bible that we're called to serve and to give because God has given us so much. Look, if, if we've come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, we're in a debt we can never repay. And all we can do is continue to serve and to give our lives. And he's saying, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't stop serving. Because he goes on and says, you know, what does that verse say? He says, you will reap a harvest if you, no, I'm back up. For at the proper time, that's what I was going to point out. See, the proper time, where does the proper time lie? Who, who is in control of the proper time? God, that's right. If it were up to us, we'd be cashing in every Sunday, wouldn't we? We'd be just like, okay, man, I just, I've been serving you all week, Lord, you know. You know, turn, we want our paycheck, right? 
This is what we're used to. I want my paycheck in, the, in a form of grace or, or whatever. That is just not the way it works, folks. This is not the way it works. God determines when that harvest will come. And one thing we'll know about the harvest is it was God's harvest in the first place. It comes into our life, but it'll have such a humbling impact. It'll have such a humbling impact because why? Because we endured a lot of things to get there. And when it does come, we might even burst into tears. We might just say, wow, God, you know what? I have learned so much during this time, I don't even really want it. I don't even really need it. And so I'm even that more motivated to become a part of somebody else's harvest. (laughs) That's what God is after in us. So let's not give up. That's not to say that God doesn't want to bless us. Absolutely, he wants to bless us. He wants to bless our socks off if, if we will just not give up. Number two, what does giving up do? Giving up and in areas where we tend to give up is we give up surrendering to God. And we just say, you know what, look, I, I've done all I can do. I've prayed, I've sought, I've gone to church, I've given, I've done all these things, and, and you know what, I'm just not doing that anymore with God. But we got to remember Hebrews 12.5. And have you completely forgotten that word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son or his daughter? It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. And do not lose heart when he rebukes you. He says, and that that can happen sometimes. When God comes and he confronts our behavior, when God comes and catches our hand in the cookie jar, when God catches us thinking he's not watching and we're doing something, God, and and sometimes it's not even behavior that we even see as sinful, but God comes comes to just want to adjust our attitude. You know? I like to just call it God adjusting our grip. You know, in baseball, I like to coach. I'm not going to be coaching this year, but I, I, I do enjoy doing this. coach my, my sons all the time. But, you know, one of the things, you get that, 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 that boy that comes up or that gal, whatever, but I've, I've always just coached young boys. But they, they're walking up. They're the, they're the, the cat's meow. They're, they're the champion. They're the ones that everybody knows are going to hit the ball. And they come dragging the bat up to the plate, you know. Yeah, you know, pointing at the girls behind the, the plate. And you're seeing them, and they're, and they're doing okay, and you just, as a coach, you look at them and say, there's an adjustment need to be made there. Not just an attitude. You get to that later. But just a, a physical thing that they're holding the bat wrong. There's something that they're doing that just could be a little bit of an adjustment made that'll take them from good to great. To help them to be able to direct that ball and to say, look, when you get up to the plate and you hit that ball, you're relying on just, you're, you're you're, just, you're hitting the ball, and you're hoping that the ball is going to go to some open field. Let me teach you how to put the ball somewhere. And what I find is two kinds of athletes at that point. One is they say, no, it's good, pops. I got this going on. You know, the look in their eyes like, right. And then the others who just look in and lean and say, yes, sir. What do I, and they'll hold it, show me. I said, well, look, you know, you need to do this. You need to lock up. You need to get your knuckles lined up. You need to get your hips right. I mean, buddy, you're just hitting all from your upper body. I mean, you're just, you're just, you're just hitting this ball with all your strength. I mean, if you, I mean, I've seen kids half your size hit the ball twice as far if you just get your mechanics right. Now, they either believe that or they don't. Do you see the analogy here? 
How many times does God come to us and he says, I want to adjust your grip? There's something about your life. It's not sin. It's not anything hugely critical. And it often comes to people who have been walking with God a number of years, and God just says, okay, look, I, I'm ready to come in and to take you to you know, Christianity 401. You've been operating at 301, and you're doing really well. It's time to take it up a notch. And so I want to adjust your grip. And a lot of times what that does is God is testing our surrender. God is testing our brokenness. God is testing, and, and I'll tell you, nothing tests a, a, a Christian more than success. Failure will test us. Success even more. Absolutely. So God wants to come in and say, okay, look, I'm, I need to, we, we need to go a little deeper in your understanding of the kingdom of God. We need to go a little deeper, and so I want to adjust something in your life. I want to adjust your attitude. I want to adjust, matter of fact, I might be just pulling back in this area so that you, you, you'll, you'll get on your, de- your knees a little bit more, because I've noticed you've just been kind of relying on this mechanical understanding of how the kingdom of God works, when it's relational. And when we start thinking, you know, and I, I see a lot of preachers doing that, they get up there and they, they figure out a golden nugget about how the kingdom of God works. And then they preach that and say, look, if you just get this combination of verses just right, ding, ding, it's just like, cha-ching, lemon, lemon, lemon. <laughs> cha-ching, oh, I figured out how God works. And then they write a book and make millions. And I look at that and just say, and I chuckle to myself because what I know is coming is the divine orange that gets stuck in that combo. And God just says, no, you're not going to figure me out. You're not going to figure me out. Yeah. And so I've had that happen. You've had that happen. Just But wait a minute, I've been doing everything the same and it's not really working out. I've been tithing just the same way. I've been doing this. I've been doing that. I've been living my life. I've been praying. I've been reading my Bible in the same way. Why am I not seeing as much victory? And now you're tempted to give up and forfeit all that you've done, all the, the seed that you've sown. And God says, I'm after more surrender in you. Would you, sur- would you continue to serve me if you didn't have all this blessing? Mm. Would you continue to love me if everything just didn't go well for you all the time. That's a test, and it's a good one. Those who succeed are going to allow themselves to be coached. The best athletes in the world are those who submit to coaching on a regular basis. The the greatest actresses and actors, the greatest anybody who performs are people who allow themselves to be refined. And you can never do that on your own, by the way. You can't. And sometimes God will use little children. Sometimes God will use the donkey. Yeah. But let me just say this. If you're beyond God teaching you something about your true nature, then you're going to be stuck in this place I call the land of bewilderment. Just bewildered. Like, I don't understand what's going on here. I mean, I read this Bible, and I'm, you're just always walking with, around with your eyebrows up in the air. You're just like, huh? Huh? You don't know what is going on. And that is because we're not letting the Lord in. We're not letting him go and make those adjustments. Paul had to undergo that. 
God bless his heart, man. God said, yeah. I mean, Jesus told him, he said, I will show you how much you're going to suffer for my name. That's not the first thing I would want Jesus to tell me when I came to Christ. But what we find later is because that matched the level of uh, revelation he received and all the wonderful things, the glory that he was able to obtain in writing half the New Testament, if not more. So we give up serving, we give up surrendering, and then finally we give up fighting. We just give up fighting. 2 Corinthians 4, 7-9. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We really should read this verse about every day. We're hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed. Remember I was telling you about the land of bewilderment? There it is. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. That's not top list in memory verses, but I'm going to tell you right now, it is absolutely true. See, we are just jars of clay. There's nothing really glorious about us except the way God sees us, but in the light of the kingdom of God, we're just humble stewards of the kingdom. We keep keep ourselves in perspective of of who we are. And he says that, you know what? All this that we experience comes from God. It's not from us. And he said, and you're going to be in the battle. See, the battles we face are designed to make us stronger, not to destroy us. And that's what this verse is saying. Yes, there's going to be battle. Could God keep that battle from us? Absolutely. But every time we experience a battle, every time we have something like that happen, and and can I say this, and this is going to sound so trite, this is going to sound so cliche, but it is absolutely true. The greater the battle you're in, the greater the potential glory. Okay? Just get that. And you can see that, you know, in micro levels all throughout nature. All throughout nature. But God's not going to allow us ever to be destroyed. Ever, ever, ever. Not crushed. Not left in despair. Not abandoned. Never destroyed. But we're tempted to give up the fight. Because we get into that and we say it's too hard. But it's because in many ways, folks, we have not learned how to fight. And you can look at David and Goliath as a perfect example. And we've got to remember that God loves the underdog. God's people almost always win as a result of God coming to their rescue. And when we try to fight in our own strength, in our own knowledge, in our own understanding, then folks, what we're going to find is we get what that brings. But if you've been called as a believer, you've given your life to Jesus Christ, right from the get-go, you're an underdog. We are underdogs, okay? And God just loves working through that. So David, there he is. He doesn't just walk up and say, you know, I'm going to kick his tail because I know I can do it. Mm, That would have not ended well. But he walked out there and said, this guy is blaspheming. You guys hear what he's saying? He's blaspheming our God. And none of you seem to be offended about that. Well, doggone it, I am. I'm offended that this 
uncircumcised Philistine is out there mocking our God, and he says, I know God will take him. And, and if none of you else are going to do it, then I'm going to do it. I know my God will be with me. So he gets the five smooth stones and says, can you imagine it? He walks out onto that battlefield, takes him down, because God did it. Christian, you are at war. You're at war. All is not well. I, I, this is not going to be popular, what I'm getting ready to say, because it's not what you read in the news necessarily, well, depending on where you read. But let me, let me can I, I'm just going to give you my perspective, and I believe I've got a good one. All is not well. And it will not be well until Jesus comes again. Don't listen to the prophets of doom. I understand that. Because they're out, those, out there, those who are just saying, hey, the world's going to end tomorrow. And, but don't listen to the false prophets of all is well either. Let me remind you about Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, one of the most unpopular prophets in the Bible. There the nation of Israel was on the cusp was on, the, on, the, on the, the precipice of judgment. And Jeremiah, God spoke to Jeremiah, and he said, now go and tell the leadership. Go tell the king. Go tell them you have been acting wickedly toward your God, and God is going to come, and he's going to judge you. It's a done deal in heaven. It's going to happen. Babylon is going to come, and he's going to kill off half of you. The rest of them, you need to allow them to take you to Babylon, because there you'll learn humility, there you'll be restored, and one day, 70 years from now, you'll come back again. Prophecy. Not a very, you know, can you imagine showing up at the White House and saying, hey, you know, I just want to let you know <laughs> half the nation's going to be destroyed, you're acting wickedly, but when China comes to invade, you need to let them take you. That wouldn't go over too well, would it? But that's, that's kind of the impact we're talking about here. So what do they do? They said, shut him up. And Jeremiah couldn't, so they stuck him in a hole. False prophet came over and slapped old Jeremiah, stuck him in a hole, and sure enough, what Jeremiah said happened. And those who resisted were put to death. They were beheaded. They were destroyed. But those who did not went to Babylon, and of course, the rest is history with Daniel and Lion's Den and all the stories, and of course, Ezra and Nehemiah coming back, and all that Jeremiah prophesied absolutely did happen. And folks, we can avert disaster, but we have to fight in God's strength. We cannot give up. And I think there is this spirit that is over the church in a way that is just like, you know what, I, I've, I'm just giving up. And you see it. In, in families, you see it in individuals, we see the fight, we see what's going on, whether it be a cultural war, whether it be whatever it is that we're fighting, that we see there's despair that's kind of working its way. And let me just tell you, despair is not from God, never is. But does that change, of course, the history? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, so I, again, I think it's a balance. It's not where we have to say, you know, oh man, we're we're, we're going to hell in a handbasket as a nation? No, I don't think we should go there. But at the same time, I think it's time for God's people to rise up and fight and understand we're created for the fight. We played the movie War Room. And what did we learn about that? We learned that intercessory prayer is where we fight. We fight on our knees. We learn that we've got to fight. 
in the spirit realm. We don't have weapons that are of this world. We don't have weapons that we can use. We, 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 you know, none of us are, uh, you know, I hope not, we don't have any of those today, but none of us are, are big uh, news moguls, you know? None of us are those kind of people that control how information rolls. I mean, we're just people. But you know we got more power than they do when we focus on connecting to the, the, the God who runs the universe? If we'll just catch that. But if we give up on fighting, we'll never get that. So folks, we're tempted to give up. All of us are. So what do we need to do right now? What must we do right now? 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. Therefore, do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Man, what a What a contrast. Bodies are getting older, they're falling apart, but yet on the inside, there's a growing excitement. There's this, man, I'm ready to be released from this body. I'm ready to, be, I'm ready to come into and, and, and birth into eternity. I'm ready to, to, to become what God is ready to bring forth. We're wasting away, but inwardly, we're renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So what do we do? We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what on is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Folks, you've heard me preach this concept over and over again, and once again, here's, here's a verse that really puts it all together for us. Folks, when we fix our eyes on what is unseen, then we're able to handle with a lot more grace that which is seen. When we understand who we are, what we've been called to do, where we're going, we have the bigger picture. I can't imagine living in this world without the big picture. And all of this stuff, all of this battle, all of this struggle that we're experiencing is all designed to teach us, to train us, to strengthen us, and to actually build up for us a, a greater hunger for eternity. I mean, folks, look, if, if it were all about being here, if it was all about enjoying this life, this life that is, that is passing away, if we, if we experienced only the joy and the, and the, the um, expectation for when we got here, then nobody would ever want to go to heaven. Well, and unfortunately, that is the case for so many. Three things to leave you with. Very quick. Folks, what do we do now? Number one, take courage in God. Put your courage in God. Do not look to Egypt as Israel did. When Jeremiah, when, when the Babylonians came in, they began streaming through and they were taking the young and they were killing people and there was just panic and all of it was just finally came to a head. There were still those who said, well, let's go back to Egypt. And we were talking hundreds of years since they'd been in Goshen and yet they still said, let's go back to Egypt. At least as slaves will live. And when you get to that point, and folks, you ain't living at all. When slavery seems appealing as opposed to death. Folks, death as a Christian, it's a doorway. I'm not inviting it. But when that day comes, it'll be a celebration. Take courage in your God. Put your hope in God. Do not look 
to other solutions in this world. Do not look to other philosophies and the things of man. Look to your God. Take courage in him. So, because whatever battle that you're facing right now, the victory will always be found in him. Nowhere else. Secondly, make an immediate change. If we go back to Asa, what did Asa do? When Asa heard the word of the Lord, he immediately did something. He tore down those idols. He said, you know what? My faith is not matching my life. What I think about God, because immediately he just said, I'm going to listen to that word. Because he said, my, he says, if I'm with him, then he's with me. So I want to be with him. I want to be with my God. And then when he walked out the door, he saw all these idols sitting there, you know, Baal and, and, and uh, all of these different gods and goddesses, fertility things were all over the city. He was like, whoa, okay, that doesn't match. So he cut them down. He chopped them down. So that was an immediate thing. We've got to make immediate change. If we're fighting battles and we've given up and we've allowed the enemy to come in, we've allowed things to come into our home and into our mind, we've, we're, not living, we're not walking the walk. We talk the talk, but we're not walking the walk. And those are some things we need to get out. And we need to do it immediately. And then thirdly, well, and another thing that he did was, remember, he, built, he rebuilt the altar. He said, look, if I'm going to seek God, I've got to have a place where I seek God. And then finally, fight the good fight. Know who your real enemy is and what your weapons are. Christians, we've got to learn that in these times, it, it, you know, there are many in our church that have been struggling and going through battles. We have sick among us you know, extended family in the kingdom that are, that are struggling, that are battling, and we're rising up and we're fighting. And it could be so easy for us to just say, man, is God anywhere around? Where is God? Why isn't God healing? Why isn't God doing this? Why isn't God doing that? Look, the last thing we need to do is give up. Cannot give up. Because we don't know what the design is. We don't know what's going on behind the scenes. But we do know, as Asa learned... I will be with those who are with me. And if there's courage that's going to come out of this, if there's building of faith that's going to grow inside us, if there's something that God is doing, and I guarantee that's what it is, God adjusting our grip, God building inside us a, a greater focus, that's usually what all the design is. Then let me just encourage you. You need to surrender. You need to give in to Jesus. And then you need to armor up. You need to pray. Don't rely just on prayer circuits and prayer. Uh, I mean, and that's important. We have our prayer chains. We have a Facebook account. We have those things. But don't just say, hey, look, I got a need. I'm just going to let everybody else handle that. No, 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 no. That's like having somebody else come up to the plate and hit the ball for you. Hey, would you get up there and hit the ball for me? I'll run, but I don't want to hit it. Mm -mm. Folks, we've got to fight. We've got to sharpen our skills. And there's some of us here today, there are, some, there are some idols, there are some things that need to get out of your life. And God says you've got to get them out of there because they're distracting you. They're bringing in depression. They're bringing in darkness. They're, giving, they're bringing in a blindness to the ways and things of God. So we can respond. We can do that. And it's only, and that's a beautiful thing, I'll finish right here, is that Folks, all we have to do 
is give him our heart. Just like Asa. Asa didn't have to do anything. It wasn't required of him. Matter of fact, everything that he did came as a result of his passion of just the individual internal surrender. That's all he did. The word came, he said yes. So are you ready to tell him yes today? He'll meet you. He'll show you. He'll lead you. Amen. Let's stand up this morning.